This is Care Less, Do More. Welcome back to Care Less, Do More. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Roy Tuscany, founder of High Fives, spreader of positivity, and a family man at heart. Roy has a very inspiring story and is one to see the silver lining in situations that life may throw at you. I left this conversation in awe of my longtime friend, as I usually do. I think Roy tells his story best, so I'll let him do most of the talking. Before we dive in, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Darn Tough. Roy Tuscany happens to be a Darn Tough athlete and is working on something with Darn Tough that I'm excited to share as soon as I can. Aside from that, you know what I think. These socks are simply the best made, longest lasting, highest quality socks you can get. Family owned Darn Tough Vermont focuses on their product, but also I just love the emphasis they put on the workplace and the work culture. I love visiting the factory and Zoom meetings with the whole team feel a little bit different. You can tell that everyone is fired up and happy, and that means a whole lot to me. 85% of the wool at Darn Tough Sources is responsible wool standard certified, and while we dive into the summer months, know that merino wool is the ultimate fabric for your socks. Unlike cotton socks, which trap moisture and bacteria, merino is naturally breathable and antibacterial. Merino even prevents blisters by keeping things dry, cool, and comfortable. So stop wasting time and get yourself some Darn Tough socks already. Our guest on today's show is Roy Tuscany. Roy grew up skiing on the East Coast at Sugarbush and Mad River Glen. After graduating from UVM in 2004 with a degree in mechanical engineering, he moved west to Tahoe and called this place home. He coached at Sugar Bowl Academy and was on the path to becoming a professional skier, garnering sponsorships and constantly progressing. In 2006, Roy overshot a park jump and burst his T12 vertebrae. He was told he was never gonna walk again at the age of 24. This injury changed the trajectory of his life. The community Roy surrounded himself with raised $85,000 for his recovery fund and Roy set out on a mission to pay it forward. In 2009, he founded High Fives Foundation, a nonprofit based in Truckee, California, dedicated to raising funds and awareness for athletes who have suffered a life-altering injury while pursuing their dream in the action sports community. High Fives has dispersed over 7 million since inception in 2009 and has helped over 600 athletes in the process. Congratulations, Roy. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's so funny to hear those numbers because we've grown so much in the last couple of years. And I always been like, wait, is that the right number? Did, wait, it is. And it's, it's unbelievable. So thank you for sharing those numbers and, and letting me to hear them myself out loud. Yeah, it's super impressive. I know that like the first time I ever met you, we were in rehab together with Lad was my physical therapist. And, and I think that would have been in like 2008. Yeah, like I, uh, I got hurt in 06. I got out here in December of 06, started working with Lad in January of 07. And I think you had your knee injury. I think it was a patella tendon and an ACL. I think you like doubled down on this one. Yeah. Right? It was a, yeah, ACL, was a, meniscus, it was medial everything. patella. Yeah, everything. It was ever, it, you, you decided to, to check all the boxes yeah. off in that knee. <laughs> and that's, yeah, we, we that's how we met and like, it was so rad because like Lad integrated everyone together. Yeah. And it didn't matter if you were a barely walking paraplegic like myself or a, you know, recovering completely reconstructed knee like you. And there were so many other cool people that are still a part of my life today that 
we're in there just like all of us suffering through this, you know, recovery process. Yeah. And for me, when I met you, like you were such a light, like you lit up that recovery room and I thoroughly looked forward to time being in there with you. I remember you challenged me to like an, or you were like, let's do the ab workout. And I was like, okay, cool. And then you totally kicked my ass. And I was like, oh my gosh, Roy, like you're on fire. It was like so inspirational for me to be there by your side. Like it helped me heal. Oh my God. I, I wish I would have known that now because maybe I'd still focus on my abs a little more <laughs> if I knew how much they motivated people back then. But I, I got to tell you like the same thing, like I think like being alongside you and then like others were like Dan Moore and Jen Mater, there was just all this whole crew and it was just, you know, each person saw the amount of energy that we each put into that recovery, but also like how much lad like challenge you to push past pain and I'll, I'll tell you there was definitely moments where i remember like out on the like out on the stretching tables of like my achilles tendon getting stretched out to the worst degree and then your knee and like celebrating like michelle got over 100 degrees today guys <laughs> and like how cool that was so it's like it's such a weird part to like think back and now realize like, whoa, those are those are some pretty formative times. <laughs> yeah, it was powerful. Like I, I walked into that building every day knowing I would be in an immense amount of pain to the extent that like I couldn't, I was screaming in pain, like with towel in my mouth and like we would do it outside because we were screaming, like yeah. it was painful, but that was a part of our healing journey. And like we had this communal aspect to it that was really special yeah and we got to meet a lot of characters too that like made up the tahoe community and then obviously i mean anybody who's gotten to have lad be a part of their life it's through healing or just the process of just getting to talk to that dude for for a couple minutes i mean there's no reason there, i mean you look at the list of folks that have worked with lad it, it's it's the top athletes yeah and it's because it's not just the healing but it's the healing of the mind too mm -hmm. that, that happens with him yeah, you nailed that. You nailed that. So I just want to hit the rewind button and go back to, you grew up in Vermont. Yep. Yeah. And went to college in Vermont. You started skiing there. You moved out west. Your career was taking off. You were starting to get sponsorships. You were feeling really good on your feet. And talk about your injury and what happened there. Yeah, I, I had just like orchestrated this really big photo shoot the night before my injury. So that would have been April, let's see, I got hurt April 29th, 2006. So April 28th, 2006, I orchestrated this huge photo shoot up at Sugar Bowl. David Wise, I think he was like 13 at the time. Wow. <laughs> Way before gold medals were around his neck. And a lot of other folks, you know, a part of there, the up and coming kind of crew that, that is the, the face of free skiing in Tahoe were, were part of that night. And then the next day went down to, you know, Mammoth with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, oh, I just did this big thing. I'm invincible. I'd hit this jump two weeks prior, taking the kids I was coaching at the academy down to Mammoth. And it just was like, ah, oh, nothing will be different. I got new skis. I'm on this path. Like, don't stop me now. And little did I know that, like, you can easily get cocky. And cocky is way faster than any wax you'll ever put on your skis. And that's what happened. I, I literally was just above where I should have been. And uh, I ended up going 130 feet. Um, the jump was 100 foot. Step up, that famous step up jump down at the bottom, right next to the quarter pipe at Mammoth Unbound Park. And I remember like after I crashed and before I crashed, I said to myself in the air, like, close your eyes. You do not want to feel this impact. Mm. And like, that's still something that like resonates. Like there are moments in 
in my journey since that has happened where I will wake up from the worst dream and it's just like that moment right before you hit and I still have those dreams and that's some trauma that's left over from there but that was that moment that kind of changed everything and, mm -hmm. you know I think one of the biggest things for me is like I've gone back to there <clears throat> and it's so weird the two times I've gone back to Mammoth since my injury I went back at five years and then I went back again at like 12 years both times there was like a little dirt spot like right on the actual no snow way. but like all the snow around it was all white but the day I showed up like there's this like dirt snow about where I think the accident happened and both times there's plenty of snow around it in all aspects but both times there's like this little dirt spot right there that's like sitting and it's just dirty snow and yeah. I don't know if like something's going on maybe it's the volcano volcano down there who knows but something's going on mammoth knows i show back up the two times it makes the spot very yeah very uh very easy for me to see that's weird yeah <laughs> um so how does that feel you're 24 and your career is on a rise and you're told that you'll never walk again i think that is the reason why we call everybody at high fives an athlete mm -hmm. is that moment right there that identity skier gone athlete gone everything i know to that moment gone and i mean what's really weird is in that moment it's like you almost know like i remember the second i couldn't wiggle my toes i knew that everything had just changed mm -hmm. not because i couldn't wiggle my toes but how like life was going to be perceived and how life was before was never going to be like it and it was this really weird realization like right like within a minute of my accident and i think like that to me is why through the creation of high fives and everything we've done here we've never used the term grantee we've never used the term awardee recipient because none of those come with an identity and when someone is stripped of an identity if you can give them an identity and a lot of times people are like oh you guys only support sponsored athletes no we support people that we re-give an identity to. Mm -hmm. And an athlete to us is anyone with a goal. Yeah. Just like you, professional athlete, you don't wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go get rad today and people are gonna pay me for it. No, you, you have goals. You have a mission critical thing that you're doing to achieve every single day. And that's so do these folks that have life-changing injuries. And so athlete is that term that we use and it came from that moment where instantly I was like, my identity's gone. Like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Every decision I had made up to that point, skiing was the first, was like the, the, the beta test of like, okay, will this affect skiing? Okay, no. Okay, move on to question two. Will this affect skiing? Yes. Okay, don't consider it. That, that's how everything was prior to my injury. So right. I think for me, like that identity taken away is so hard. And like, you know, obviously physical is tough, but you know, we're, we're in a day of now where people are okay talking about how they feel internally mm -hmm. and lost is the honest word. Yeah. Lost. Yeah. And not only was I lost because I had an identity taken away, but I also lost because I'm a part of a world that I'm sorry, there's just, there's not much information. And until you know someone with a spinal cord injury, you don't know anybody with a spinal cord injury. Yeah. But the second you have one, all of a sudden you know everyone. And yeah. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. That must be such a heavy moment of realization. And, and then the doctor delivering you that news, like. It wasn't even the doctor. It was the, it was the, it was the radiologist. Wow. So like, as I'm getting wheeled back from this x-ray and like, it's kind of my own fault. I asked the radiologist, Hey, like what you saw, like, 
let me know what you what you think guys like oh dude you're never walking again i've seen plenty of these and i was like what (laughs) like what are you talking about what do you mean i'm never walking again Mm -hmm. and you know that was there and then you know from there it's just okay what is what can i do what 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 are what is everything that i can do to help the best outcome of what i'm being delivered at this moment and when you don't when you have no one to ask you have no way to look and this is before social media too like it's still it's in the very early days of facebook where you had to sign on with a college account and stuff so nowadays when someone gets hurt i mean if someone gets hurt they can contact the foundation within instantaneous and get connected to hundreds of folks yeah back then i have horror stories of the people that i met that Mm. tried to give me advice and if i would have taken their advice we wouldn't be talking here today michelle wow (laughs) yeah that's heavy and so you were at reno renowned hospital i was actually this is even wilder so we got all these wild stories we'll tell throughout this time but I got admitted on April 29th to Washoe Medical Center. I got done my surgery. I think I might actually be patient one for Renown. Wow. At 12.01 on April 30th, it went from Washoe Medical Center to Renown Regional Medical, blah, blah, blah. And for the longest time, I got billed from Washoe Medical and Renown. So this whole experience, not only am I trying to figure out how to, you know, navigate a spinal cord injury, how to navigate not being a skier anymore, how to navigate just what am I doing with my life, and then try to navigate two different companies billing you both for the same thing at the same time, being like, I'm going into medical debt. Like You were getting double billed. Yeah, I was getting double billed. <laughs> because what a trip. they wanted to, like, close their close their books because they're done yeah new hospital wants to get pilled because i think on patient one they're like dude here's our golden shop like let's right. start billing him right away yeah and it was so bizarre because i didn't know what to do or like who to pay what to pay right luckily for me i did my mom my mom was my amazing savior and uh my mom like hustled she hustled everything that's why i don't have medical debt that's why I, I got through it all with that. It's because my mom like definitely was my advocate when it came to everything financial. Did you have insurance at the time? I had insurance. My yeah. mom made a deal with me. She's like, yo, if you're not going to get a, a degree with college, you have to pay for out-of-pocket insurance. Mm-hmm. And so moved out here, got that coaching job with Sugar Bowl Academy, and instantly got this amazing health insurance plan. Back in the day, 100 and, 113 bucks a month for like $1,500 deductible. Imagine that. Whoa. Like, woo. Yeah, that's good coverage. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even find that like anywhere now. No. So it's like, it's wild. And like, um, you know, my mom has been, you know, my mom passed away in 2014, but you know, this, the, this injury, the truth behind it, the blessing, the, you know, the positive out of the negative is like, I got 56 days with my mom in the hospital. I had an advocate that ensured that everything was, you know, handled. That's what moms do best. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had a mom that, you know, rooted me on every single day. And I think yeah. that is like the positive out of the negative. So many people think it's high fives. And yeah, high fives is amazing. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is the time I got to spend with my mom during this whole experience. Yeah, <laughs> that's really special. Yeah. Oh, shout out to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Moms are the best advocates. And, like, just thinking about that, like, you have insurance, but with these life-altering injuries, there are so many additional costs on top of that that, like, wouldn't be covered by insurance. Yeah. It's exponential, right? And, like, they, they, they decide a path for you, too. So if you want to go off that path, I want to try acupuncture. I want to try, you know, neuromuscular massage. I want to try, 
you know, all these different alternative types of healings because I'm going to throw as many darts at the board and hope I hit a bullseye on one of them. Right. Because as long as something's not, you know, you know, not going to be negative or, you know, not beneficial and it has negative outcomes, then why not try it? And so for me in this process being so, you know, new and spinal cord really, you know, only got famous like less than 10 years prior from Christopher Reeve, Superman sustaining this injury before that, like no one talked about it. Right. And so I was trying everything from anything I could find on the internet I was reading about to, you know, meeting random folks. So I did this, I did that. And so that I actually think is like the really harder part that happens is like whatever the medical system decides for you, which yeah, they, they've got your best care, but they want you to stay on that plan. Yeah. And if you deviate from that plan, they almost are like, oh, you don't trust us? You're like, no, I just, I, I want to try everything. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, I wish I would have done that. And yeah. I think that's the hardest part with our health system in America is that in, the word is healthcare. And if we would change the word to human care, and I believe that's what we do at High Fives, we would probably see better outcomes for most individuals that have sustained not only life-changing injuries, but also just everything that they're going to see medical folks for is if we look at it from a human approach mm-hmm. and not just this health vertical, because you know, what, what is healthcare? It's, it's, a, it's a monetized system we're human cares, we're just humans. And like, yeah. I think that's one of the things that we do different at High Fives that I'm like super blessed to like be proud to say is that like we try to look at the whole human holistically and that approach to like say like, how can how can we find a solution here? And if we don't have a solution, well, let's ask people and, yeah. and be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> and continue to grow that healing network. That was something that I really loved when you guys started was just that you had a healing network, a place that people could come and see all these different options of what to do and what might work for them and that just information is like hugely helpful yeah were there things that you found that worked for you that have continuously worked for other individuals with spinal cord injuries you know i think one of the things that have worked the most is like you got to stay active yeah and i think finding a connection back to a sport is not only beneficial physically but also emotionally and mentally as well Mm -hmm. um Sports a byproduct of community. Yeah, I mean, you look at your closest friends that you want to go on a let's say a mountain bike ride with. You're not gonna go pick people you don't want to hang out with. Yeah, you're gonna go out with people you want to have a good time with. But the connection that usually connected you is that sport of mountain biking. Mm-hmm. It goes with skiing, snowboarding, whatever it may be. And I think that that's one thing we've done at High Fives is we try to get someone back connected to a sport because then we can get them connected back to that community that already exists outside of the disabled community. And it's unreal. A lot of times we'll bring people on trips and they'll be like, I'm here, I can't wait to help this person get back into their first wave, or I'm gonna change their life once again. And the trip, the person, the volunteer, the staff, whatever's like, holy crap, I thought I was here to change people's lives. This trip changed my life and the way that I look at people and the way I wanna get people and understanding how powerful this sport that I take for granted every day that I get to participate in has this ability to reconnect folks. So I think that's like step one is like, what can we get you interested in? Because if we can get you interested in thinking about a wave or thinking about a mountain bike trail or thinking about what that ski run will look like and then you start looking at the forecast like let's say you start looking at the swell report or you look at the snow report or you start looking at oh it's going to rain in a couple days we're going to have brown pow well guess what you're not worrying about today yeah so i don't need to worry about you you're you're mentally yeah you're already thinking about the future yeah we've got you hooked to it so i think that's a really powerful tool from some things that people don't understand like 
why we don't stress like mental health. Yeah, we have a mental health therapist here in, on staff and everything, but really we use other tools to help elevate people's mental health mm-hmm. um, in a way that you know I don't think people always see as you know traditional, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really, really believe in um, is acupuncture. I think acupuncture has a way of healing the body. You're doing little cuts into the body. The body wants to rush to heal it. With life-changing injuries, level of injury below, you really have a decrease in blood flow. Blood is our is our healing juice. It's, it's how we heal our body. And when blood's not flowing, well, then we become stagnant. And mm-hmm. so I think acupuncture really helps keep blood flowing. And I believe, you know, it's been around a lot longer than a lot of other things. And it seems to continually be written about and followed by and continued. So. I believe that's a, a really, you know, a huge opportunity for folks to experience something that might open their eyes to other things as well, yeah. to other types of, you know, Western medicine and, and stuff that, might, or Eastern medicine, sorry, not what, that's non-traditional Western, but Eastern medicine ideas and stuff like that. And, um, and then the other is, is like, I think it's really important to be open to every type of healing option that's out there mm-hmm. spinal cord injuries are like snowflakes there's not one that's alike so if you read something online that this person it worked for them well it might not or guess what it's probably not going to work for you yeah and i think that a lot of times people are looking for this cure-all what what did you do to get to that point well i did a combination of this this and this and this and this and i became open to all these things yeah so i think that's the other thing is like is being open to the idea of varying away from like we talked about a little earlier like that medical plan that they put you on and being okay with it and being open to it and like understanding that like just because it worked for that person it might not work for you and just because it worked for you it might not work for that person but that doesn't mean that it it doesn't work yeah and like i think there's a lot of you know amazing things going on with you know functional mushrooms in this world that i think are key to also healing as well mm-hmm. that i think that as we start to understand more and more of those and become open to those types of healing processes i think we also have an opportunity of healing that you know again i just sports community and being open to as many different paths to healing as possible i think are so important and then like i said acupuncture if you want to try something that's off the medical path that's been around for three thousand plus years go with it yeah you're, you're gonna get pricked a couple times it's the, that's the outcome you're gonna feel really good after you're done and blood's gonna be flowing through your body so yeah well, i've had incredible experiences with acupuncture yeah yeah Specifically, too, and I think this isn't to be overlooked, like acupuncture has been used to help people who have addiction problems get off drugs. And for me, after I have surgery, having acupuncture and like directing the acupuncture, it's like I just want to flush my system. That's been incredible. Like get all the meds out of you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think very highly of that modality for sure. You know, as we sit here in the CR Johnson Healing Center, one of the pieces that we took from CR's house after he passed was CR sauna. Um, it unfortunately did catch up into flames after, oh no. <laughs> after many after many moves. Yeah, um, I think we just might have crossed the line or, or two or something. Mm-hmm. But CR had that because of the same idea. He believed that he couldn't actually start recovering until he got the toxins out of his body, mm-hmm. and he found that these you know saunas were the best way to pull things out. Now, for me, I believe that you know a cold plunge with a hot sauna treatment. We're currently building an expansion here at the Healing Center. We're building a room specifically just for that treatment cycle, I think is an untapped resource that not only individuals that are able, but anybody 
can find absolutely incredible benefits from, from the way that we're just testing our body and putting our mind to work. You know, our mind takes up 2% of the mass of our body, but it's said to take up over 25% of the energy that our body amasses in a day. So if you actually look at the amount that the mind makes up of the body and the amount that it draws from energy, well, then we need to figure out how to continually challenge this mind so that if we're drawing this much energy from this small mass of our body, well, then we need to challenge it. And I think yeah. cold plunge, hot saunas, acupuncture, any of these types of things where you're not only doing healing, but you're also challenging your mind saying, I don't want to sit in this cold plunge longer, but if I do, it's good for me. Okay, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. Or I don't want to sit in the sauna. It's way too hot. But if I sit in here for five more minutes, I'm going to extract this much. Or, hey, if I let this needle sit in my, you know, in this acupuncture point for five more minutes, even though it's so painful for a second. It's like, it's the art of the tattoo. Once you realize that tattoos aren't painful, they're 100% like just building up your like cortisone levels and your adrenaline and everything. Like, I don't know. I just, it's your mind. You have to figure out how to, to overcome. And I think that's part of why I wake up with a smile and try different approaches to everything. Yeah, you it's have some special sauce going on. Because <laughs> like two years after your injury, whenever I came into your universe, I was like, what is going on with this guy? Like he's so he's emitting positive energy. Like it was such a thrill. I really, like where do you think that comes from for you? I think it's like I have a choice and like obviously it's not a unicorn farm every single day. And, and you know, obviously depending on what I'm doing, I'm more energetic towards it. But like, I have a choice. I have a choice to do one of two things. I can show up with a positive attitude or a negative attitude. That's my choice. Yeah. And I can show up putting in full amount of effort or zero effort. That's my choice. I'm in control of both of those things. And that's what I tell folks all the time when I first meet them through a life-changing injury. Someone, especially with a higher level injury, that's like, I can't move anything below my shoulders. All right. I understand. I, that, that sucks. But tomorrow, you know what you can do? You can show up with a positive attitude. That's free. Mm -hmm. And you can show up and you can give 100% mm -hmm. effort. It's all on you. You're the only person who can control those two things. That's not the responsibility of anybody else in this world outside of yourself. Yeah. And I think that is something that I've just utilized from the time being of, you know, losing what I thought were like, you know, the basis to my whole life, my legs. Everything I did, I was a runner, I was a skier. You know, everything's based on your legs. And like... I could have chose the morning to say, this sucks, my legs don't work, and I'm not gonna try today. All right, those are all my choices. Or I could say, hey, you know what? I once was able to do 12,000 things in this world. I now have the opportunity to maybe do six or 7,000 things. We probably only can do 2,000 things in our life, so why am I gonna focus on these you know, 5,000 other things that now I can't do because of my injury. I can still do all these things. Why don't I just focus on those? Yeah. And I learned that from this amazing mayor of Crested Butte, who is an individual with a disability that literally said, you know, I can still be a great mayor. Mm-hmm. And still I, got I have it. that choice, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I think that's where my attitude, my mindset, and a lot of my things come from is like those two things I learned at a very early stage of my recovery are 100% my responsibility. And I think within my recovery and a lot of aspects of my life, I handle it really well. Yeah. Um, I falter in other places, but we can't win every single battle. And, Absolutely. You know, I think, I think that's something that other people need to realize too, is like, you know, every single day, not everyone can be on, but like you do have a choice. And, you know, I think 
if you take those two and really look at those from like a deep perspective, if you show up and you're saying, hey, I'm gonna give you my best effort, I'm gonna give you my best attitude, then like, what more can you ask of someone? Yeah, yeah. And like, that's, that's the simplicity of it. And when you realize that that two decisions are on you and they're not on anybody else, and regardless of people are making you, ma- it doesn't matter. Yeah. Those are your two decisions. I had a similar but different conversation last night with my partner. <laughs> we were talking about washing dishes, and I was like, you know what? I just think you should do everything to the very best of your ability. Like, whether it's cleaning your toilet, washing the dishes, just do it your best. Are you a Virgo? <laughs> no, I'm an Aries. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we were just chatting about that. And, and, and showing up that way in life and doing everything your very best, it is really fulfilling, and you take more pride in what you're doing. And, and yeah, it's, it sounds so simple. And we're not going into like all this in-depth like meditation and how you get there and like it is a choice. You wake up every day and you can make that and you can live that. Um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful and simple thing. I think as you just said, you know, you hinted at. I think so many people are looking to check these boxes. Oh, I meditated this morning. I did my yoga this morning. I drank a, a smoothie this morning. I grounded this morning. I journaled, and I'm still not in a good place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you doing all these things? Are you doing all these things because someone told you? Or are you doing all these things because they actually make you feel like you're showing up and you're doing them with your positive effort and you're trying your best? If you're doing all those things to, to just check a box because that's what you're being told, then don't do those things. Yeah. There's the same exact things that can do the same thing for you, but they're, they're not that. Just because maybe somebody tells you coffee isn't good for you, there's probably someone who'll tell you a smoothie's not good for you too. Yeah, yeah. And so if a coffee is your same version of a smoothie, have a coffee. If meditation to you is listening to 30 minutes of a podcast uninterrupted, but you're not meditating, then listen to 30 minutes of a podcast instead of trying to meditate because mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing it and the whole time you're like i absolutely hate this this is just terrible i don't get <laughs> yeah. it you're not getting the benefit of the meditation yeah and so i think that's like what so many people are looking for this day they're looking for that well i did all these things yeah why aren't i happy well because you're doing all these things in a that way don't make you happy they don't make you happy and yeah. you're also doing them like you're not happy doing them and back to what you're saying, you're not even trying to do the best at them Yeah. because you're not even happy doing them. Yeah, washing the dishes isn't fun, but guess what? Washing dishes that weren't washed correctly the first time is harder than washing the dish the first time correctly because now you gotta deal with this crust and all this other crap. It's just like all this other <laughs> stuff in life. The crust on the dishes is all those excuses that you're making to make it that much harder. And it's like, it doesn't need to be that way. I yeah. mean, do the things that you wanna show up for, do the things that you wanna put effort in and do the things that you know give you the positive outlook that do it. And just because your meditation looks different than someone else's, that is totally okay. 100%. My meditation is watching NASCAR racing. I love NASCAR. It's my <laughs> favorite do. thing. It's my favorite thing in the That's world. amazing. Don't bother me when I'm watching NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. I can sit there and totally see everything that's going on from the pit strategies to the racers, like conflicts to, you know, who's doing this and why that. And to me, that's meditation. I'm sorry, I don't do well sitting and listening to a gong go off every 15 seconds or whatever that meditation <laughs> yeah, looks like. Yeah. 
that's okay. I see that as meditation to me. Yeah. And, and I'm happy when I'm doing it. Yeah. I do do meditation as well, but I use the Calm app and they're really good at teaching you. So yeah. this is not a paid thing or anything, but if you don't know how to do meditation, pay 69 bucks a year, get the Calm app and just let them do it. Tamara, yeah. Tamara is my favorite. <laughs> I could listen to her for hours. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, my therapist like had me write a list of things that bring me joy. And yeah, then like every day I'm like, all right, I gotta go back to my list and like do at least a couple of these things that bring me joy. And as simple as that, like definitely changes the course of my day. If I'm like bummed or something, I'm like, okay, go to the joy list. What is it? Oh, reading for five minutes totally snaps me back into like a good place, whether it's NASCAR or like, yeah, anything. Like that list is just solid. I know it brings me joy and you can resort back to that. And it's so weird because I think so many people are looking, you know, like when people are like, Oh, I didn't, you know, like when people think about like working out, they like, it's this two hour thing. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not everything is the same for everybody. And like, like you just said, like five minutes for reading for you can completely change your mindset on something. For me, like when I'm really like frustrated about something, like if I literally can just go into a room where there's no sound nothing and I can just close the door and feel like I can be like almost like in a safe little area where I can just breathe and hear my breath like that is that's probably the same as like the greatest meditation or soundscape or whatever someone else might use but for me it's like when I can find silence because Mm -hmm. there's always you've seen it since I've been here there's always something going on in my world yeah it's like when I can find silence even if it's for like 10 seconds yeah I can reset completely but it's like I have to find the silence just like you have to find five minutes of reading yeah to get to that moment and that mural by Skywalker I don't know what it is but ever since that's been in here this whole week anytime I've had any stress I walk in there and I'm like I just like feel this immense and so if you're coming if you're in truck you come to the high fives office you got to see this mural that Skywalker's it's beautiful <laughs> yeah it's beautiful it's colorful it does emit joy it's it's amazing and yeah let's talk about that we are here right now at the Sierra Johnson Healing Center and the high fives high fives foundation like your office space right yeah um when did you guys build this so we originally started down in a small office in Truckee, a little small little one room little place and uh, we surely started to see that we were outgrowing our means there. And unfortunately, you know, CR passed away. And when CR passed away, he had written himself a note. Not many people know this, but CR wrote a note the morning of his death. And he wrote down his five next goals. One of his goals was he wanted to create a webisode series with myself and Riley Poor to document how individuals with disabilities were still thriving in the adaptive sport or in the action sports community as adaptive athletes. But then the fifth one on the list was charity work with Roy. And so the next day when his family found the no, they said, Hey, like we've got to figure out who Roy is. We've got to, we've got to fulfill CR's wish here. And so when they contacted me, they said, Hey, we're going to have a a large chunk of money. That's going to come from these different avenues from the memorial, from giving, CR was a heavily sponsored athlete, so Forefront, Smith, Porters, at the time were all committed to giving a large chunk of change, and then Armada jumped on board and actually recreated a jacket for him. So all this money you know, came into the foundation, and it just sat there for like a year, and then one day, I remember this conversation that CR and I had, and it was about the smell of a hospital. Mm. It was the one thing that CR and I absolutely hated the most, the smell. Mm-hmm. And even though the smell 
wasn't probably prevalent to yourself or others that would go to Tahoe Force to see Lad for PT, there was a hint of it there. And I think it's from someone like Ciara and I who spent a mass amount of time in the hospital system from our injuries. And so every time we'd go there, we'd get that little hint of that smell. And one day we were just sitting next to each other. And that's how I met Lad too, was through CR and what Lad did through for CR's recovery. And I remember there one day and CR just looks at me and goes, bro, how bad's the smell today? And I was like, dude, actually, it's pretty bad. It's like, what if we ever created a space that you could have all the modalities of healing, but it didn't have that smell? I'd be like, dude, that'd be <laughs> awesome, wouldn't it? And he's like, yeah. Let's do that one day. Yeah. I was like, all right, CR, let's do that. Yeah. And you know, this was CR post head injury. So like when CR got hooked on something, he would kind of like remember it. So every time after that, wherever I saw CR or whatever we do together, CR would be like, yo, we're still building that spot, right? And you know, it's just yes. kind of this reminder. Yeah. Um, and so when CR passed, met the family. And you know, when we started, it was this humble beginning. We had 858 square foot. We had a little gym in, the, in a small corner of a small space. Sharon McConkie taught yoga in our space. We had nothing really. And now, you know, nearly 15 years later, we're sitting on 10,000 square feet. Wow. All of space that's been built out over the time with every modality of healing and no smell of a hospital. Mm-hmm. And some additional items that CR never thought about. We're going to be adding, you know, a cold, cold, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't around then, but we're gonna add sauna with cold treatment. You know, Sierra was already into the sauna idea. We've got a full-time trainer here that, that operates, you know, for over 125 hours at no cost, no question to any athlete that comes and works with him. We have five amazing different individuals that all specialize, experts in their field, physical therapy, acupuncture, mental health, personal training, massage, that are all here to work with the clientele, not only that we serve, but also the community of mm. Chucky Tahoe to provide this healing opportunity. And then on top of that, we operate the space of the foundation, our events, our programs, and everything else in between. And it's a really amazing place to be sitting in when you think about like, it started over the conversation of a smell. Mm-hmm. And then it came from a note that CR wrote, you know, almost knowing that you know, maybe this was my last day on earth and wow. I need to make sure that, you know, these five points are, are lived out to their fullest. Yeah. And I think we've done a really great job. Have we made a webisode series about me and Riley? No, not yet. We've done some fun stuff with Riley though. <laughs> um, we've taken Riley fishing, we've taken Riley and done some cool stuff with him and Riley's doing some rad stuff in his world. Um, but the one thing we have created is we, we've done some great charity work in CR's name. Yeah. And I think like, you know, during that time period too, when Sierra passed away, I mean, Shane passed, Arnie passed, Kit passed, like so many iconic folks had were passing at that time. I think too, like the parents and Khalil, Sierra's sister, weren't really ready to start the Sierra Johnson Foundation or, or have this yeah. thing that was commemorably, and they did a really big thing. They trusted a person they barely knew to ensure them that their legacy of their son, their brother, their their family member would continue. And I still thank them to this day because I mean, High Fives was this, a year old when CR passed. Yeah. And like we were at this infancy and like we were just lucky and they believed that, you know, the words that CR wrote down on this paper were what CR wanted to do and they trusted in us. And now, you know, we're about to throw the, you know, almost, I think it's gonna be the 12th or 10th or something you know, Reign Supreme Art Show at Riverside Studio with Khalil. Like, yeah. it continues. And, you know, like, 
Russ, I don't even play golf anymore, but if Russ Johnson asked me to play golf, I'll go play golf with Russ Johnson. That's the only person I will play golf with. Like the Johnsons are their second family. And yeah. I mean, you know this, you grew up with them. Yeah. Um, they're salt of the earth human beings. And so much so. I still can't believe the amount of trust they put in us. And, you know, they saw something too. They knew that we were not going to let down the legacy of CR. No, <laughs> and you haven't. I mean, it emits CR's energy when you walk in the front door and I can't help but smile. And like, it brings back all these memories. I remember that big injury I had, which was, yeah, I think it was, must've been in 2008. Cause yeah. I had two surgeries. My second surgery was the day that Shane passed, but I got injured in Retallic, landed on a rock, blew up my knee, and the first person at my side when I got back to the lodge was CR, and he picked up a guitar, and he just, like, did the thing when he would just strum and make up his own song, <laughs> and he made up this beautiful song, and it, like, I couldn't help but smile and laugh the entire time and, like, instantly just, I don't know. He, he had the most beautiful ener energy, and I'm so thankful that this place is here. Breaking up this episode with a huge shout-out to Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, Sierra Nevada Brewing Co. is one of America's premier craft breweries, highly regarded for using only the finest quality ingredients. The pioneering spirit that launched Sierra Nevada now spans both coasts with breweries in Chico, California and Mills River, North Carolina. Sierra Nevada has set the standard for craft breweries worldwide with innovations in the brew house as well as advances in sustainability. It's summertime, officially tailgate season. Let this be your reminder to stock that cooler for your post-ride bike hang at the tailgate with your favorite Sierra Nevada beer or your NA option with a sparkling hop water, which I'm a huge fan of. I love drinking this hop water. It's amazing. It feels like a beer, but it's not. It's water and it's sparkling and I like that. And my personal favorite beer is the sour. Don't at me. I love the sour. Cheers. It's really rad. Like, you know, when we talk to folks, I just always assume they know CR. Like, yeah. I just assume everyone knows CR. And it's really wild now. Like, this new crop of skiers. Like, like I, they don't even know who, like, Candide Tovex is, let alone CR. And, like, Candide is still, like, very much relevant in oh, our yeah. sport. Like, oh, yeah. he drops an edit and we're talking a million views. And so, like, it's really fun for me now to get to, you know, not only say why we named it, but then tell like that first ever hit CR did like in the pipe when he went 20 feet out and like how he changed oh the way gosh, of like yeah. half pipe skiing and yeah. then like how that built a you know an amazing rivalry between himself Olnick, Tanner Hall and Simon Dumont and what that did for the sport and like how it grew it through the ESPN X games because all of a sudden skiers were going 20 feet out of the pipe bigger than snowboarders and like the things CR did for our sport are I mean the 1440 the 1260 I mean it goes on and on and on and it's yeah. like it's so baffling to me that like i know the skiing history before me mm -hmm. i know my glenn plague my you know brad holmes like you know snow what was like my driving force my first vhs that i destroyed and then to johnny cesare state of the mind like those were like the driving force. And then, you know, it's so weird to me now that people don't know. like That history, totally. The history. People don't know I used to compete at, at X Games. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> people like, don't you know that park. you started as a park skier. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you had a pro model with K2, it, what, what, the misdemeanor, right? Like yeah. you were a little punk. It was all like <laughs> your like punk attitude. Like and it was during the days of like the K2, like Ryan Schmee's graphics and like oh, man, everything was artist. going yeah. like wild. 
And like now Schmies is doing Smith's branding, which is really cool. So it's really iconic. But again, there's the history of the sport that, you know, I just don't feel like it's is as, as relevant now as it was. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the goal with this podcast, too, is to have those historical people on here. Like, I'd love to get Jamie Burge on here. Oh, as like, my God. After yeah. what you did at the Pond Skim this year, yes. once again, like <laughs> what a more people need to know Jamie Burge. Like the chapter three was like that movie really helped showcase how rad Jamie was. But if you look at it back in the day of the Venom days of Spider, and like you look at the portfolio of the athletes, it's all these just hard charging males and Jamie Birch. Yep. And it's like, are you kidding me? You got Tommy Moe on there. And like, you've got Seth Morrison, you got CR and like, other people I can name, Clint Fiala, that people have no clue how I even know that one. But regardless, <laughs> he was on the Spider Venom team. And then you got Jamie Burge. Yeah. And I just think that like there's not enough people that know what she did in her sport for her. Like, There would not be an Ingrid Backstrom, in my opinion, without a Jamie Burge. Yeah. There wouldn't be a Michelle Parker because like that's like, who were you looking up to that's like, who's this hard charger, you yeah. know? And like... There Jamie were very just, few. Oh my god! Yeah, she was pioneering that shit. <laughs> James, the, yeah, like James, the shit. Yeah, so much respect, <laughs> big time, big time. Yeah, Jamie, if you listen to this, I doubt you do, but I gotta yeah. get you on here. <laughs> but I've got I got some funny. I got some amazing off the record Jamie Bird stories too. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I'll have to pull some of those out of it. Yeah. So like you were injured and within three years, high fives was started. What yeah. was that your driving force of like coming out of the injury and giving back? And you're like, this is what I need to do. You know, I, I actually tried to start the foundation like three days after the injury. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the original name, because I always loved, like I couldn't do a ton of tricks, but the tricks I could do were really solid. And the one I could do, I could do a backflip anywhere, any size jump, any, anywhere backflip. So I was like, man, what if I called the foundation flip back foundation? I'll just take the word backflip and I'll turn the words on each other and call it flip back foundation. Yeah. So I had this whole thing and I had a break dancer logo and all this stuff. And then I realized like how much I had, like how much it was, like I started looking, I was like, this is a lot of work to yeah. make this successful. And I was like, all right, I'll just hold on to this. And what happened was during that time, Bill Hudson, who now works for Palisades Tahoe, who's a founding board member of the foundation, still sits on our board today set up what was called Roy's Recovery Fund underneath the umbrella of Sugar Bowl Academy, which was a nonprofit that had basically a sub fund for me. Mm -hmm. I took everything that Bill put into the creation of that into how I started High Fives. Had to have an invoice present for a payment. Money never went undocumented. Every donation came with a thank you letter. Like all these little simple things that like, I don't think most people like think are that important, but. It, they're just little things and as long as you do all the little things and you don't let them tack, stack up well then you can accomplish a lot of big things yeah and that's all i did was i took a platform that a friend of mine a dear friend bill hudson put to make sure that i was safe and then i took that same platform and i built it into what was the starting blocks of high fives and then from there built out where we are here now and did i ever think we'd be here heck no we have an amazing staff. We have an amazing crew that, that makes everything happen. And I'm just lucky to be the leader of this great group of folks. And it's like truly hair club for men. Yeah. Early 90s commercial. I'm not only our first client, <laughs> I'm also the president and the CEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, when y'all first started, um, 
I was really enthusiastic about high fives. And I remember having the thought of like, okay, this is for people who are suffering life-altering injuries. And, and I definitely had the thought that I don't think I know too many individuals. And then one after another, like there's been so many of my close friends that you have helped. And that to me was like a bit of a wake-up call of how common these injuries are as well, whether it's traumatic brain injury or spinal cord. And, and now y'all have branched out to helping veterans and, and I mean, talk about it. Like what is high fives? What do yeah. you guys do for all these different people? I actually was looking cause your like face populates, you know, our iPhones are so smart. Yeah. And you actually were at an event with us in like 2000, like you came to like wave the high fives flag, like with us at a snow fest, like back in like 2010 or something yes. like that, <laughs> like way back in the day. And uh, back then we were just focused on, you know, winter sports athletes that sustain life-changing injuries. And from now, from there to now, it's like, it's just outdoor sports. Yeah. You get hurt in the outdoor sports, we want to make sure you know you have a safety net that's going to be thrown over you. 25% of the nearly 700 individuals that we supported are veterans. And with our veteran program, that's really through Palisades Tahoe. They have a pass program that provides the funds for us to create this incredible program that is very much tailored, not to a mass, but to the human. Mm -hmm. Where we focus on 35 individuals every single year that have sustained life-changing injuries while serving our country or while in service with our country. Some get hurt while not deployed. Um, and we give them the opportunity to transform. Mm -hmm. And the way we do it is the same thing that they signed up to do. Boot camp's nine weeks long. At the end of nine weeks, they either get deployed or they get stationed and they become a warrior. Well, we do nine weeks of personal training and at the end of nine weeks, we take them skier or snowboarding. At the end of that 10 weeks, they're a skier or they're a snowboarder. Yeah. And what we show them is that now twice in their life, they have transformed themselves in nine weeks into some different identity. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to become now? So after we're done skiing and snowboarding, we challenge them. All right, what over the next nine weeks do you want to try to do to become what next version of yourself? Wow. And we see this incredible way of this veteran going from almost a broken system, meaning they can't quite navigate it because they're not a full-bodied veteran. And I mean that from the way they see themselves. And they don't see themselves quite in the, in the you know, let's just say normal society because they have that veteran side. No, 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 no. We just mingled you right in between. Now you got it all. Yeah. So what do you want to be? Yeah. Because now you can be a veteran. You can be a disabled veteran. You can be a disabled athlete. You can be a disabled athlete. Whatever you want to be. But we just showed you, you took it nine weeks twice in your life and you transformed yourself. And so I think that's a really cool outcome that we've been able to do through our military program. But the one that I love the most that we've been able to do is surfing. Um, mm -hmm. The reason being is like, I talked to you a little bit earlier. Um, there's this great documentary called Resurfaced. It was on Netflix for a while. Operation Surf is who it, um, it followed. But there's this one line that says, if, veteran, if, if veterans start worrying about the surf report tomorrow, then we don't have to worry about them killing themselves today. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is something that we've been able to do with our surf program is we get folks that can't quite find a new sport. And what's amazing about surfing is there's been so much adaptations to where you can almost be almost, as long as you can keep your head out of the water, we can get you onto a wave. Yeah. And I think that's one of the coolest things about surfing is a lot of times in sports, there's always like tiers of levels. Skiing is a perfect example. 
before my injury, ski double black diamonds all the time. I like green circles now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you and I go to the mountain, it's a powder day. Like I'm not expecting you to come ski pow on a green circle when you can go charge these awesome lines. But with surfing, everybody goes out of the same spot and it's the ocean's decision mm-hmm. on what waves come in. And it's your decision on what waves you decide to try to come in on. And I think that's that beauty of surfing is everybody starts from the same spot and everybody has the same chance at catching the same wave and doing the same thing. And it's up to you and your decision of when you want to go. And with surfing, like I know for a fact, like really even for Costa Rica for a big event, like I've already checked the surf report every day, even though it's not even reporting yet for the day we're there. Right. Because I want to know what's going on. Yeah. So I'm already looking towards the future. And when we're looking towards the future, yeah, it might create some anxiety because you're anxious for those moments to happen. But when we're looking towards the past and we're focused on the past, the only thing we can get out of the past is depression because we know we can never get it back. Right. And so for me, that's why I always want to try to get people thinking about the future. Anxious moments don't help, but we can figure out ways to combat those. We can't figure out how to combat the idea of resentment of not being able to do something. And I think that's like one of the biggest takeaways is like, how can we get more people looking forward to things? And I think that's like what we've been doing at High Fives. Like, let's get them hooked onto a sport where they yeah. can't stop thinking about it. And uh, it gets them looking forward to what, what is next in that sport for them. That's beautiful philosophy. I love that. I mean, in, there's like rugby and like all this different types of sports that y'all are like helping getting people involved in too. Yeah, we focus, we focus, on, um, we focus on five disciplines. Um, being surf, skiing and snowboard, mountain biking, fly fish, and adaptive dirt. But then we also sponsor nationally five um, national um, hockey teams, adaptive hockey teams, uh, San Diego, Reno, Denver, um, Vermont, and a team in Dallas. And then we sponsor a rugby team here in, uh, here in Reno, our own rugby team, the High Fives rugby team. And so on top of our five disciplines, we do do some sports as well. And I think it's just good. It's just like, you know, you're getting people together. And, you know, when people are together, like we always say, like force multiplying. And I think like a lot of these different, you know, nonprofits that are out there are so concerned about, you know, oh, this is what we do and this is who we serve and this is how we do it. Like my big thing is, is like, I'm really good at fundraising. I'm really good at creating connections, but I'm really not that great at making programs. So how about I'll find great programs like City of Reno Adaptive or, you know, this great hockey program, the Central Vermont Pioneers back east. And maybe they aren't that good at fundraising. Right. Or maybe they aren't that great at creating community. Cool. Well, then I want to work with you because I'm not good at doing what is the part that I want to do, which is play hockey or play rugby. Yeah. But you guys don't have the money to do it. So how about, I'll help you find the money, I'll help you find the people, and then you guys make sure that we create awesome opportunities for these folks to experience. So awesome. And I think that's like one of the differences that we do. I I believe in force multiplying. I think that if more people in this world would understand that force multiplying allows creative minds to come together and like eliminate egos and like you come in and you say, okay, I'm really good at these things. You're really good at these things. I'm going to focus on these, you focus on those, and let's see what the end result is. Yeah. And that's when, you know, I think magic happens. I mean, for you, I I imagine that's very similar to, like, 
when you know you have that amazing crew to go on a backcountry mission. You have the, the person who can you know cut the trail the best, the person who can navigate, the person who's gonna check the snow. It's like every box is checked where all you're really doing is showing up where you're gonna perform as an athlete and whatever like expert in the field role you're gonna bring to that. And when you stack all those together, you're like, why did this work so well? Well, you built the team. You built the team and you yeah. force multiply. We're not making addition here, we're multiplying. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, big time. I just experienced that. And it's a beautiful thing when it all works out and all the pieces of the puzzles come in and you're like, yes. But then you also recognize when you're uh, when you're forced dividing, too. Yeah. When you're like, dude, this is not the team. <laughs> totally. We missed here and yeah. here and here. And next time, this person, no. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. It's like, it's really wild. But I think, you know, when you find those moments, those are the things. So it's like our Military Mountains program, we've partnered with City of Reno, amazing humans, April Wolf, and then Adaptive Training Foundation, David Bohr and his crew down there in Dallas. And because of that, we know what we're good at. Mm-hmm. And the three of us work together in a way that gives the opportunity for those 35 veterans to have the best experience every single year in the Military Mountains program. Yeah. If we decided that, oh, we think that we can do this the best by ourselves, it's never gonna happen in that way. Yeah. But because we are comfortable with the idea of mixing in others, then we hit home runs, or yeah. grand slams, actually. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Speaking of grand slams, we, I was on the high fives softball team for yeah. a little bit there. That hey, was really fun. <laughs> we, retired, we retired the team when you left. Oh, no. <laughs> we also retired the team because your dad is the greatest. You're, there's not a – if you ever need someone, <laughs> that's what your dad should do now. Your dad should – whatever – he should be hired by folks to be professional cheerleader. Yeah. Because your dad is the best cheerleader that has ever existed for high school sports or D-level co-ed <laughs> truckie rec league softball. Yes. He shows up. <laughs> he does. He used to say the funniest shit on the sideline. He'd be like, hum jelly, I feel a goal coming on. And people would be like, whose dad is that? And I'd be like, that is mine. And yeah. raise my hand up as high. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he understands the sport as in like the lingos because I think like he played so many sports that he's just kind of like blended them oh, all yeah. together. Yeah. But that's okay. He brings positive energy <laughs> and he wants to see whatever team his daughters on do well yeah totally straight up he's, he's a coach for life too like, yes can't help but coach it's the best what do you see in the future of high fives like what are your do you have goals and like what's your vision you know i think like the next big thing for us is like we have found that we have a great opportunity to provide fiscal grants to individuals to obtain piece of equipment or experiences the one thing that I think that we can do next is create our own environments for those experiences. Mm-hmm. And so we currently have um, a program in Glenwood Springs that offers no-cost UTV adventures to anybody with a disability called Return to Dirt. We can send people there. The program happens year-round. I think if we can create that same experience within our four other verticals, so fish, surf, ski ski and snow and bike with destination experiences, then we can provide endless opportunities to the most underserved population in America, which is the disabled. And then on top of that, it's sometimes hard for us because we do kind of one-offs, they're here and there, and they're always kind of this. But I think we have such a network of supporters from partners and athletes and all these things that by having that type of environment, we could almost make destinations for 
able-bodied and adaptive to come together yeah. and get experiences kind of like it like I want to create basically like bald face lodges for inclusive opportunities where it's adaptive in mind but where it's able body comes and no one realizes that it's a it's a blend yeah it's just like we're just there with our friends yeah and I think like I want to do that within surf over in Maui fly fishing up in Montana we're doing it here within bike we already have built out 10 specific adaptive trails in this area amazing from the compass trail over in the sawtooth range to sky tavern in southern reno to then sierra vista park now in northwest reno and that's like our epicenter here and then skiing there's all these great programs in america from vermont adaptive to the national sports center for the disabled in winter park to the nac and park city to achieve tahoe out here that we just want to find ways to make sure that we work with them to provide the best type of instruction for folks that have disability within the ski world. Because, you know, skiing is such a transcending sport as in like, it's it's everywhere. It's, it's how I know everybody in this world. So like, yeah. how can we make sure that when someone wants to get into it, they can also feel that transcending? Well, you gotta use the best programs. And yeah. I don't ever want, like I said, we'll never be good at making programs. Right. But we'll always be good at raising money, finding great partnerships and creating these experiences for those that usually don't get the experiences. Yeah. And I think that's like a big takeaway for us that like I want to make sure and always instill for others is like, dude, like I'll never forget this triple ant veteran came up to me the other day and he said, you're the first organization that puts making sure that we matter ahead of everything else. I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, you're not concerned about high fives recognition for this. You're not concerned about that. What you're concerned about is that the people you serve feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, that, 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 that's the whole thing. Yeah. Because back to where we really started this conversation, when I got hurt, my identity being gone, this whole thing, I didn't feel like I mattered anymore. I didn't feel like I had a purpose. Everything I knew was skiing. Everything I knew that I could do in this world to impress people or to make money or to, you know, build my career was with two skis on my feet. Right. From being a professional skier to giving ski instruction to all these different things. To matter again, I think that's, that's what everybody's looking for in this world is a purpose. And so... You have this life-changing injury. Not only are you trying to figure this out, but now all of a sudden there's an organization that says, I'm committed to ensuring that you feel like you matter. That's, that's what I didn't have when I got hurt. I had a guy come into my room and tell me how great it was going to be to be an alcoholic my whole life. And I took that path for that's a That's heavy, time. yeah. And it wasn't until I found sobriety in 16 that like high fives really took off. But it was based upon this advice that this dude told me that, dude, get as drunk as you want. People will feel sorry for you. You're disabled. Wow. That's not the advice. That's not how you live your life. No. And so for me, that's like this takeaway. It's like, dude, you matter. Yeah. And that's where I see that, you know, for the longest time, I think that so many people with disabilities thought that the only way they could matter was to bury their sorrow into something else. Mm-hmm. And like, fuck that. Yeah. How did you find your path to sobriety? Um, it came from some comments made by people that I really respected. It came from like a challenge that 
was a 30 day challenge that was just like, do you think you can stop drinking for 30 days? Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would I ever want to stop drinking for 30 days? It's so cool. (laughs) And lo and behold, after 30 days, it started to feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after 30 days, I was, it was like that I started on October 31st, 2016. And so 30 days was, you know, December one. I said, oh, let's just go to the end of the year. Let's just see if we can do it at the end of the year. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, I was like, let's see if I can just do it for the rest of this year. Wow. Yeah. And then it wasn't until this past year that I finally like wasn't celebrating the anniversary. Yeah. And I think that was like kind of like that stepping stone of like, holy crud. Like you finally surpassed this like demon. Yeah. And, you know, talking to CR and like talking about what me and you talked about, like with, you know, CR yourself and myself with like after prescription drugs, like, God, I think it takes like three years to get the booze out of you. You know, it takes so long to get all that out. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like a big takeaway, but it's wild. You look at the, you look at the revenue curve of the foundation and you can see it, it's growing, it's growing and it flattens and I quit drinking and it just, Goes yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's Sharp upturn. Just yeah. a massive upturn. Mm-hmm. And you know we've been super blessed from that. And like, yeah, like back in the day, that's how I found most of my donors was out drinking. Right. But I'll tell you what, I find more donors now that see the responsibility and you know the focus that I have and you know the energy that I have. And also, like, I don't know how parents do it. If, if there's any parent out there that's not sober that still parties like I used to, that are parents, like, how do you do it? <laughs> I can barely, when I don't get enough sleep, I have a tough time parenting. If yeah. I had to parent hungover, I do not think, like, I would just know. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I yeah. can't, I don't even know what that would look like. Yeah. Because it's so hard with a clear mind, a good night, rest to sleep, and a good breakfast to start the day. And parenting is still really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all kind of new development since we were hanging out for, like, I don't know, softball and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you have a wife now. Yep. And you have a child. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, I met Elena um, back in 2010 when she was just coming off of, like, this incredible run at the Vancouver Olympics. Um, she had become the first ever individual with gold medals in the summer and the winter games. Wow. Um, wheelchair basketball in 08 and then she got a gold medal in the Vancouver Alpine skiing sit skiing um, discipline in 2010 and then she went on to win some more medals and then from there got on to some more Paralympics and then she retired in uh, 2018 we were speaking together in New York kissed her at the Newark airport when I dropped her off and then uh, in July of 19, we welcomed our little dude, Gunnar Owen, Alexander Tuscany, whose initials are the GOAT. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, we've been on a journey ever since. But it really comes down to, like, you know, I, I met Elena um, at the birth of High Fives at this uh, adaptive skiing conference. And she was, like, the, the star of it. Yeah. And just we stayed in touch over the years. And then stars aligned at the right time. And... Lo and behold, we got to create this little dude who's just absolutely just full of energy, so fun, and just he's a blast. He's the best thing ever. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. That's amazing. I can't wait to meet him. Oh, he's a riot. He's an absolute riot. He's a fisherman. He's a skier. He's a surfer. He's a biker. He does it all. He yes. Crushes. How old is he now? He'll be four at the end of July. He'll be four years old at the end of July, which is so wild to think. He, his last day of school is in two days, and it's like, 
it's so wild to think like I remember dropping him off for the first day of pre-k this year yeah and now he's just like so confident he's buddies with his teachers he got all his little buddies at school and now he's like getting done for the year and it's so wild to think like where he started the year at oh my god okay for the listeners Roy has the biggest smile on his face right now (laughs) (laughs) he lit up so much talking about that I really dig that uh congratulations that's amazing thanks um so for people who don't know like you got to go to highfivesfoundation.org and then there's a link to apply yeah and and talk us through that process a little bit so when we first started it was just like apply and we would be able to you know be able to look at one application a month now we see anywhere it's from we have three grant cycles now um that that happened in january may and august specific to specific how you got hurt if you're a veteran if you didn't get hurt you want outdoor sports equipment very specific guidelines within those because now we see almost two to one uh, what we can fund. So for every application we see, we can we can fund basically one out of every two. Yeah. And that's just for the small population we serve. And mm-hmm. so I wish we could serve them all. And maybe one day we will. But for right now, we can do about one out of every two, that application that comes in. And from that, yeah, you come to the website, figure out which funding period you can find funding from fill out an application and then lo and behold our team here will walk you through the steps we have an amazing team here to ensure that you never feel like you don't have someone here to help you from our program manager to other folks that help with that and i think that's like a big takeaway too like when you call here there's a good chance i'll pick up the phone there's a good chance the program manager. there's there's a good chance you can talk to whoever you need to talk to here yeah. within a 24-hour period um because again one of our five core values of high fives is human care and if we're going to use that as a core value, we really have to speak human care, which is that we look at all aspects of the human, yeah. not just the health of the human. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how can the outdoor sports community be more welcoming to adaptive athletes? I think like the biggest thing, it's so simple and it's a mindset. It's a mindset switch. Switch. Ugh, I can't even say it. So it's a switch in your mindset. There we go. We'll switch the words around. <laughs> um, is to lead with curiosity. Mm-hmm. Don't lead with accusation. Mm-hmm. If you see someone, maybe they're struggling. Maybe it's a piece of equipment you've never seen. Just go up and just say, hey, I got a question. What is that thing? And the one thing, don't ever try to compare stories. Yeah. Oh, in seventh grade, I broke my leg and I was in a wheelchair for three weeks. I know what you're going through. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to compare story. Just lead with curiosity um, and don't interject. Don't interject your own your own story into it unless they ask you. They might. And, you know, anybody, everybody's different. Yeah. You know, like I said. But I really think the biggest thing is curiosity. Um, and I think also just like understanding that if someone is going, if someone with a disability is going out to try a sport. Or if they're, if, if they're excelling at the sport, that's a whole other question. If they're just going out to try the sport, freaking cheer them on. Yeah. Think about how easy it was for you to get to where you are today. And then think about if you had to have someone help you do everything or you had to have someone watch over or you had to have someone assist or carry. Just whatever that, 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 that little bit of help was, imagine if you had to have that. And then think about how much easier your day was to get there. But then the second one is if someone excels at a sport, Really think about, all right, I've taken some crashes. They've taken a lot of crashes just before that. I wonder how many crashes they've taken to get to where they are. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen Trevor, Elena, Josh Duick, um, some of the most, you know, high-level sit skiers that when you see them on the mountain, it's like, po- it's like poetic 
just absolute poems being cut into the way yeah, they can beautiful. carve. But I'll tell you what, when they crash, <laughs> it is the most violent thing you've ever seen. It's like a helicopter losing its blade and just, yeah. you know, and they don't slow down. <laughs> yeah. They like pick up speed. And so I think that's the other thing too. It's just like, you know, lead with curiosity, celebrate those that are getting out there and really celebrate those that are excelling because they've, they've taken some crashes that I just don't think are fair. Can we talk about Trevor? Y'all have yeah. something coming up, don't you? Uh, Trevi's got some exciting things coming up. He always does. Um, we recently uh, just finished a documentary with Level One Productions. Amazing ski company. 20 years of ski films. Josh Berman. Um, one of the most kind of like underappreciated uh, filmmakers, I think, in the whole ski industry thing. What he did for 20 years with Level One. The unearthing of folks like Tom Wallace and, you know, the boys out of mammoth and everybody else that josh helped bring up through the level one channel is is absolutely absurd yeah i'll second but, that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think like josh's biggest thing is you know josh is a he's a uh, he's a master graduated student of dartmouth's you know media division the kid mm -hmm. knows how to tell stories and the kid adult whatever i called josh i've known josh my whole life so i you know i was just on the phone with josh actually before we got on this and um his documentary skills outshine his ski skills by a, a billion percent the story that he's told of trevor and uh, i'll quiz you do you know corbett's Kular? yes do you know what it's named after no it's a guy by the name of barry corbett okay barry corbett was in some amazing early ski industry films um that really set a precedent he named it prior to falling out of a helicopter and becoming a paraplegic wow barry corbett went to Craig Hospital, where Trevor went, and basically was a Trevor of the late 1970s and early 80s. Wow. Really progressing the sport for, for every individual with disabilities and documenting it and writing books and really shining light on disability. He was the original camel man. No he way. The, he was on the ad of every single camel uh, magazine thing back in the day. He was on the first ever um, expedition to get the first American ever to the top of Everest. And Barry decided not to go because he said, I'll have plenty more times. I'm the youngest one on this expedition. And then a couple of years later, he unfortunately sustained that life-changing injury. But yeah, so to think about this, this spot, Corbett's Kular, named after Barry Corbett, who was a paraplegic. You fast forward nearly 30 plus years, and it's what catapulted Trevor's career at the Kings and Queens event when he aired a sitski into Corbett's Kular and basically full circling the story of an individual with paraplegia, paraplegia and showcasing how an individual can surpass every type of expectation that they might have, just like Barry did and now Trevor. And so the story, Full Circle, by Josh Berman and Level One Productions, tells this story of Trevor's raised to fame and all the things he's done since that Corbett dropped, but also because Barry was a filmmaker, we found hundreds of hours of never watched Super 8 and Super 16 film in the basement of Craig Hospital that Barry Corbett documented and we've unearthed all of it and it's wow. all in this film. Wow. And the exciting news is is that this film will be available to the world globally effective December 1 on Netflix. And we're excited for everyone to see it, to experience it. It's done some film tours, it's done some film festivals and um, I can tell you that even Travis Rice has no idea that Corbett's cool art was named after Barry Corbett. It's one of the opening scenes to the movie where Travis Rice is even stumped and even the executive team at Jackson Hole is stumped to wow. why. 
and to unearth all this and the footage that we found is just it's it's unreal and on netflix that's a that's big time go yeah. trevor wow yeah. <laughs> wow that's so cool i can't wait to watch that do you have anything else you want to say um i just think it's really cool to reconnect with you um and just like see how much you're crushing and mm. doing all the things you're doing and like seeing this just be an additional medium for you that really speaks to who you are i think is awesome and having me as a guest to get to share with you know the followers that that follow you and the amazing thing that is what adam's created with out of collective podcasting it's just it's awesome so thank you for the opportunity and uh it's just fun to reconnect with you so it is so special <laughs> and we have to go biking yes. i don't know if we have time i don't today. think we have time but <laughs> yeah. we're gonna go <laughs> i can't wait one thing i ask a lot of my guests uh is just to reflect on could be recent could be over a lifetime but one thing that you're super proud of um i think the thing that i'm like really super proud of is um my dad served in the military for 22 years um many different branches was a lieutenant colonel and he always wanted me to go into the military it's just something that just didn't feel like it was a part of my dna even though my dad is half my dna um so the formation of this military to mountains program which serves our wounded veteran community I think is something that not only makes me proud because we're serving a group that has done so much for us that is truly underserved, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it, it feels like that little bit of recognition and a nod or a tap of the cap to my dad. Yeah. It says, dad, like, I'm sorry I never joined the military, but I think what I'm doing for the military is bigger than me serving in the military now. So I think, yeah. I think that, and then the, the obvious one, the goat, I mean, what Elena and I have created and Elena is, is the driving percentage on this one. She is such an amazing mom. Um, what we've created with Gunner, I think like he's such an old soul already. And I think he's going to do a lot of great things in the world. I don't know. I mean, he's not the first, but greatest of all times is because he has two disabled parents. And we just think that like, he's going to see a light and a scope and a lens on this earth that many kids don't get to see. Yeah. And I'm just really excited to see how Gunner's going to take that perspective that he's gotten from having two parents like myself and Elena and what he's going to do with that and give back to the world. So I think there's going to be a really big gift from Gunner. Yeah. That he's going to give a perspective on the world that he got from being raised by two folks that, you know, have had a, a little bit of a, a harder life than others. Yeah. And, uh, that's okay. Cause we're shrining and, and we're loving it. And, yeah. We're loving, loving on Gunner, so yeah. <laughs> well, my hat's off to you. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And it's been just beautiful to watch High Fives flourish and grow into what it is today. And for anybody listening, check out highfivesfoundation.org. Please donate. There's a ton of like gear on there. They're always doing auctions. They're always doing events, like in-person events. And yeah, support those that don't get the support they need. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, MP. Appreciate it.